Welcome to How to Trade It, The Road to Trading Mastery. Join Casey Stubbs, a seasoned trader, as he guides you to become a profitable trader. Find actionable insights, real-life stories, and strategies to boost your trading skills. Don't miss the journey to trading victory. Start listening now. Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. This is the How to Trade It podcast. We talk about the real stories behind successful traders. You will learn the strategies that the best traders use in today's markets. And we get those experts to show us how to trade it. This is Casey Stubbs with the How to Trade It podcast, and today I am with Scott Williams, who is the president and co-founder of Relentless Trading. Thank you, Scott, for being on the show today. Casey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. I love your name, Relentless Trading. I f- was just discussing with a trader the other day about being relentless, We're not even talking about your name, but he was like, I just couldn't quit. Like once I found trading, I just kept going and going and going. And I, a lot of guys will quit, but I couldn't. I found myself just so drawn to it. And I said, man, you're relentless. Yeah. I think that's a great name because I think the people that really are after it, they have to be a little bit relentless to get successful. You have to be. I think that's, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, you have to really want to keep going back to the well because trading can be really challenging. So you got to be relentless to be successful. Once you get slapped around a few times, that's like, oh, I don't know if I like this so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm just not smart enough to quit. I have to keep coming back for more. <laughs> Me too, man. I don't know if it's ego or what, but I just keep going back to the well. I think I'll get the win. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the key is the relentless person knows that they're going to get the win in the end, even if they get smacked around a few times. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyways, thanks for being on the show. Tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got started in trading and how the relentless trading thing came around. Sure. Yeah, I'll kind of get into it here. So I'm Scott Williams, obviously. I'm the uh, president and co-founder of Relentless Trading. I was originally born in Dallas, grew up a lot of my life in Boise, Idaho. Now I live out here in Salt Lake City, which is where our home office is and where we do a lot of our live trainings. But of course, a lot of that's transitioned online now. But I went to school out to, at Boise State. I took some classes online through Wharton. So that's kind of the background of uh, some of my education. But several years ago, I decided I wanted to get into trading. I've been doing several other investments. I was kind of getting into real estate. I've been in that for a little while. That was probably my first love. I spent a bunch of time in the precious metals market, just doing some investments and things like that there. But the thing that kept nagging me and kept popping up in my timelines and in my searches was you know, trading stock options. And I'd seen a handful of people doing it, putting out great videos on YouTube, tutorials and stuff like that, how to do it. And it just seemed like that was a source of income that I wasn't tapping yet. So I decided I was going to go out and train myself to do that. And the smart way for me to do it at that time was going to be to jump on YouTube and learn everything I could. I thought I was a genius. I jumped right into the market, made a few trades and won the first couple. And I was, man, I thought I had really cracked the code. Turns out that's not the case, right? I've lost the next few trades. And then I spent the next few years just on this roller coaster ride of trying to trade options and figure out what I was doing. So what were some of the challenges that you had from the beginning? Like what you said, the roller coaster rides, tell me a few things about like things that were really tough. 
Sure. I think the main thing was my education wasn't too formal on YouTube. And so I picked up a lot of tips and tricks from the gurus that maybe were ill-advised. So a few mistakes that I was making basically every time I would buy only short-term options contracts. And if you're day trading, you could buy something a week out if you're in and out of it. But I didn't know what I was doing. So I was buying sometimes, you know, three, four days a week out. So those time decays on those were just killing me. And I was losing a lot of those trades. I was, my risk management was terrible. I had no trading plan. I was, you know, risking sometimes 25% of my total account balance in a trade, which is way, way aggressive. So that was a major issue. And I had no real price targets or anything. I just wanted to buy a call option. And then when it went up and I felt like I was making good money, I was going to get out. No structure. That was the biggest thing. Yeah. And so with that kind of dangerous trading approach, did you have any experiences that were not comfortable? Yeah. So I've had a handful of those tough experiences. Originally, kind of in that first year, I lost 2,500 bucks or something like that. And like I was saying, that was kind of, I was willing to lose that amount of money just to get the education. So I wasn't really bent out of shape about losing that amount of money. But I certainly did over time experience with some, I guess, some other strategies that I experienced, I tried to experiment with in my live account rather than trying to do it in my paper account. And some of those losses were great. So largest loss I ever took was $25,000 loss. I was trading naked options on commodities. It was an oil trade, a crude light trade. And and the price of crude light was just skyrocketing really for no reason. Just some geopolitical issues that were happening and it busted my trade. And you know I took that huge loss. So you know, the toughest experiences I've had were probably just some of the big losses. Those are the most humbling ones where you got to close a computer for a couple of days and you learn the lesson, then you have to come back to it and you put a sticky note on your computer that says, don't do that again. Yeah. Well, with an experience like that, you kind of don't, the sticky note is important, but you kind of learn from pain tolerance. Oh, you feel it for sure. Same thing. You put your hand on a hot stove, you feel the pain and you remember that. And so big losses like that going out the door, they're tough. You have a major drawdown and you can really feel it. And didn't want to tell the wife the full right. deal. Like, oh my right. gosh, I don't, I don't want to admit how much <laughs> I screwed up. First off, it's pretty humbling and kind of embarrassing, but also now don't you're out that 25K. So yeah, there's definitely... Trading is the real deal. When you have real money in the market, it's easy to, I think a lot of people sit back because it's in the computer, seems a little bit like a video game sometimes, but it's not when it hits your bank account to that level. Right. It has that gambling attraction. Yep. Yeah. So with that being said, how did you respond and recover from that? I think the smartest way traders can research, backtesting, and doing things, trying new strategies in your paper trading account rather than doing them in the real account. So a lot of it was just educating myself on where I had made the mistake and trying to hone, bring myself back into what my rules were. Like at this time, because I was experimenting with several different strategies, I hadn't dialed in my rules for those strategies yet. And really that's probably why I should have been paper trading it because I hadn't locked all those in. So because I didn't have those guidelines that I had set for myself, I didn't follow any guidelines and that's what bit me. So it was really just going back and realizing, and I think all good traders do this at one point, they go back and realize like, okay, I really have to stay within these guidelines. If I don't, that's where I lose money. And trading is really just all about consistency. So it was really just educating myself on where I had made the mistake, 
what changes I needed to make in the future and just understanding all the tools that I could have used to have gotten it right. Now, when I was talking with you earlier, you mentioned that you discovered selling options for premium. How did you discover that and how does that work? Okay. So I'll give you the breakdown. So how I discovered it is I had taught myself to trade on YouTube. Obviously it just wasn't working. I wasn't consistent, right? I, in the end, I really was negative on the P&L. So the decision needed to be made. I just needed some professional help. I wanted to go do some courses or something that would really help me understand why I was not consistent. So I went to a seminar and during the seminar, they talked about a lot of issues with new traders and the things that the mistakes that they were normally making. I was clearly making all those mistakes because just about every bullet point they hit, I was like, yep, I've done that. I'm doing that. I'm doing that. So at the end of the seminar, of course, they offer additional classes and courses you can go to. Like, this is definitely something I need to do, at least just to wrap my mind around more of the mistakes and find other ways to trade. During those courses that I took, which were ended up being about 14 months worth of courses, like a $20,000 package was a really robust training platform that I went through. And during those courses, they started talking about the other side of the trade. So with a call option, if I buy a call option and I'm the buyer, I want the stock price to go up. If I'm buying a put option, I want the stock price to go down. That's pretty simple. And that's the way most options traders trade. On the opposite side of the trade, there has to be someone on the opposite side of that trade to take it. And so those guys are the option sellers. So if you're the call option buyer and you want the stock price to go up and I'm the call option seller, I want it to go down or at least stay below my line, stay below whatever strike price we've done mm-hmm. the deal at. And as long as it does stay below my line, then I collect the premium. So here's a great example. I think option selling is really hard for people to understand because it's a weird flip. It's like I'm selling something that I don't own. And I think that's difficult for people to understand. So let me break it down in a different way. I'll use an insurance analogy. So right now, if you are holding, let's say, 10,000 shares of Apple stock, you want to make sure that if Apple stock tanks, you don't want to take a huge hit. So you know, if Apple stock, if you have 10,000 shares, it goes down a dollar, that's $10,000. That's painful, but not super painful. But if it goes down 10, 20, $30, that's a really big hit to your portfolio. But you don't want to get rid of the shares. So what you do is you buy yourself what's called a protective put. You just buy a put option. So in case the stock price drops, you make some of that money back on the put option you bought. Plus, you still hold your shares. So it's just insurance. You're basically just buying yourself insurance because just like with insurance, you pay car insurance every month, but you very rarely wreck your car. So you're just 100 bucks a month out the door every month all year. On the off chance that you wreck your car, then the insurance company has to pay you out. So since you're the holder of the Apple shares, you buy yourself insurance, a protective put. I'm willing to sell that to you because the likelihood it's going to crash or you're going to wreck your car is very low. So every month I'm collecting a $100 premium from you. And then occasionally where the stock price will crash and then I'll have to pay out. But statistically, I win a lot more than I lose. Okay. Well, that actually makes sense. And so if you're selling and the price goes above your strike price, what happens then? So. If it butts into my strike price, either on the top side or the bottom side, depending on which side I'm selling on, the way I have it set up in my rules is it just gets me out at the short strike price. We generally like to trade credit spreads, which means there's two parts to the trade. The one I sold you, and then I also buy another one that's like insurance for me. So if it completely goes through my strike price, then I can only lose a certain amount. It caps my loss. 
So okay. whatever I want to set because that on out. the other side, you're actually in profit. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And so the other side of the trade, that profit starts to make up for right. the loss. And so I'll for sure take a loss, but it caps my loss. So whatever I want that to be when I place the trade, if my max loss, if I say, hey, listen, my max loss is $500 per trade or $200 per trade, then I just set that insurance line, that additional one that I purchased that's going to make money once it crosses my line where I need to. And that way I can't, it's impossible for me to just lose a ton of money. Right. And so in this type of a trade, an ideal scenario would be like a market that's actually going sideways because then you win on both positions. So I do it a little differently. So there's a few different things and much of our strategies are based off price action. So if I'm looking at, I generally look at a, like a one year, one day chart. I'm looking at for like a macro trend, it, like Apple stock. Is it going up over the last year? It is. So as long as it's not at an all-time high and peaking and maxed out on the relative strength index and all the other indicators that it's about to drop a little bit, as long as it's kind of in the mid-range or on the lower range of those, but still in an upward momentum, I would sell what's called a bull put spread below that. And so it doesn't matter if it's neutral or if it goes up, or even if it comes down a little bit, as long as it stays above my line, I'm good. I do the same thing, the opposite thing, I wish I should say, on stocks that are in kind of a downward trend. So if it's a, in a little bit of a downward trend, I would do a bear call spread. So it would be on the top side. And then as long as it stayed below my line, I'd be good. Now in a neutral market, which we're not really having a lot of right now, but normally right. in a neutral market, like the RUT, the Russell 2000 index, it's fairly neutral as it moves up. Sell one of each. I'll sell a bear call spread on top and a bull put spread on the bottom, which boxes it in. It's called an iron condor. And as long as it stays between those two lines, then I went on both trades. So there's basically three strategies for bullish, bearish, or neutral trends. Hello, this is Casey, and I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience, sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset and you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you. I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it. Okay. Well, that breaks it down for me a little bit, helps me out. Still a little bit outside of it's, my skill set. It's a little foggy. I mean, there's it's, a lot to go into. So we're not sure. obviously going to learn this in a very oh, short yeah. conversation. It, it's also <laughs> so much easier to see when it's actually on a stock chart. It's yeah. hard when I'm just using hand yeah. signals up here to try to show you. But right. on a stock chart, it's like, well, okay, that makes perfect sense. Right. Yeah. Well, this is good for me too, because just having the discussion about it helps me really think about it like mentally. So I do have a couple different questions specifically because sure. I've been trying to learn some of this stuff myself. So if I'm, let's just do the example of I'm selling a put. I don't want to get into too much spread detail. And I've got a $5 barrier. So 
the current price is just say $20 and I'm selling it at a $25 strike. Okay. Now the way your rules work is when it hits your strike, when the actual price hits the strike, that's when you close it. That's when I get out. Yeah. That's and that would be the out. loss. That okay. would be the loss. Yep. Uh, on a percent of your account or trade risk, by the time the price gets all the way to your strike, what type of percent loss is that? So it depends on when it actually hits the strike price because time decay goes in your favor when you're on the other side of the trade. So if you place the trade today and it hits your strike price, then that would be your max loss. If you place a 30-day trade today and on day 29, it hits your strike price, totally different loss because you've now gained some of that time decay. But the way you set it up is always worst case scenario. And that is off of a max loss and max loss on the most aggressive side, I tell people 5% of your total account balance. That's super okay. aggressive. Okay. So when you take the trade, you're going to assume that it's going to hit your max loss and you position the size of the option according to that. Yep, exactly. That's exactly okay. right. Yeah. Always assume okay. that things aren't going to go your way. Trades look awesome. And then all of a sudden they turn around. Some trades I place feel iffy and they're perfect. So it's just, you always assume that it's going to be worst case scenario. At Finance and Markets, we believe that people are the most important thing. That's why in every financial newsletter, we dedicate a section to acts of kindness. When you put other people first, good things happen. We want to inspire you to go to the next level and practice acts of kindness. Go to the link in this episode's description to subscribe. So... In traditional trading where you're buying stocks, I was always taught about risk to reward ratio, right? Like you're trying mm-hmm. to win 50% of your trades and as long as you win $150 and you lose $100, you are going to make money. Now, I've also heard, but I haven't really dove into it, but when you're selling spreads, it's a little bit flipped because you're not really looking for risk to reward, you're looking for high winning percentage. So you're looking exactly. for setups that are going to win 90, 95% of the time. But when you lose, it's going to be a little bit bigger than what you win. Is that accurate? That is 100% accurate. And that's why when people say, well, if you're not getting this risk to reward ratio, then you shouldn't do the trade. It completely depends on the strategy because there's trade-offs to every strategy. So the reason that's accurate is this, you're probably going to lose, let's just say, you win $100 a trade. You're going to lose 400 on the one you lose, but you're okay. going to win nine out of 10. Okay. So, so you're looking for a 90% win rate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 85 to 90% is right where we're at consistently. So in this situation, you're still running good risk management. You're not blowing your whole account. But if you hit a losing streak, which you're hitting 90%, so obviously you're not hitting those often, but it mm-hmm. could set you back a little bit with that higher losses. Yeah, absolutely. And it will happen. Biggest win, I guess, win streak I've ever had was 28 trades in a row. Biggest losing streak I ever had was seven losses in a row, which of course was big, right? It was a big dollar amount. And several of those I lost on the last day. It was all the way at the end. And then the market, basically, those are all in one area. The market turned, you know, bad news came out, the market turned. So all of my bullish trades were now in jeopardy. And I balanced them out. I had some bearish and bullish and everything, but generally in a bull market, I'm going to have 10% 10% bearish trades, 10% neutral, and the other 80%, the ones you can really find, are going to be bullish because that's the way the market's going. So even though you try to diversify, you still have the ability to get hit if the market turns on you. And that's exactly right. I lost seven in a row. It was a bigger drawdown, but then 
you switch your strategy and that's just part of trading. Since it was on the last day, your losses were probably a little bit smaller. So yes, that is correct. And it just depends on how far past, if you have a credit spread and it jumps all the way through the line, you're technically kind of taking that max loss. Right. If it's in the middle of your spread, it's a little bit less of a loss. And if it's just touching your line, then it's of course less of a loss because you've collected some of that time decay premium. Okay. And so with this type of trading, do you find it to be beneficial compared to just buying and selling whatever you're trading? Yes. And here's why. So each of these trades, and there's a couple scenarios here, but each of these trades, what we're looking for on an ROI's perspective is 10%. So thousand bucks in, hundred bucks out. So it's basically that insurance premium analogy, right? So that is a pretty decent return per month per, I guess, trade you're going to make, and you're going to make a good handful. We're running anywhere normally, generally speaking, from 15 to 30 trades max, right in that range. But they're relatively easy to manage because they're a little more passive. Right. So if you're risking $10,000 or a thousand would maybe make it a little easier. If you're risking a thousand dollars, you're looking for a hundred. Mm-hmm. So out of 15 trades, that would be a $1,500 cash yep. flow. But then if you won, if we're hitting the 90% on the 15 trades, what is that losing two or one and a half? Yeah. So one and a half trades, subtract, 600 bucks or something like that, right in that range. So you're looking at a thousand dollars or 1100 in cash flow. And how much time is involved with this type of trading? So that's why I think I like this type of trading and a key point that I want to make for sure why I got attracted to it. So each of these trades are 30-day trades, closest expiration to 30 days we can get on super highly liquid stocks. So you're putting a thousand bucks in and at the end of the month, you're getting that 100 bucks back, right? And then you really should be pricing trades every week. So every Friday, an expiration comes up. Options should be expiring. You should take the money from the options that expired and reallocate that into your next trade. So it's and a so constant. It's just always rate. rolling. So it's just, exactly. it's, it's a passive revenue, not passive because yeah. it's not the It's still active trading, but it's very, in terms of trading, it's very much in the passive category. So here's the deal. I can go in and find a trade right now and in maximum 15 minutes, obviously I know what I'm doing, but in maximum 15 minutes, I can have it placed. And if I put a stop loss in right there, I have to do absolutely nothing. And as long as the trade stays below my line, it just expires worthless. The option seller's option expires worthless. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to close the trade. I do absolutely nothing. And at the end of that month, it just populates that money into my account. So from that perspective, there's no real trade management. Now, the only time you'd want to manage a trade is I place the trade. Let's say I place a bunch of bullish trades. And then all of a sudden the COVID news starts to come out and I don't want to let it, you know, I have a strong feeling the market's going to turn. I don't want to let it come hit all my stock losses and bust me out. So I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to cut my losses here and then sit on the sidelines for a minute and try to figure out what's going to happen here. So that would be the other scenario. Okay. Well, that brings up a really good point that I want to hit here. How would someone handle that type of market environment? Because when the news came out, I'm talking like in March when the market was really bad. Did you just do things on the bearish side? But then again, you didn't know if a positive news because it was just very volatile. Yeah, it was very volatile. So we did, I mean, I did a handful of other stuff. I pulled out, obviously I did no neutral trades at that point. It was kind of based on some of the sectors, right? I went bearish on everything. Airlines, went, you know, just kind of common sense will tell you what yeah. sectors are going to take a little bit to bounce back. I mean, they weren't going to, and the thing is they're 30-day trades, right? So I knew long-term, 
airlines will eventually come back and some of these sectors will eventually come back and maybe even just short term, like 90 days, but 30 days, probably not. So that's the key thing, right? right. I don't have to do all this in-depth market research to see where it's going in the future. I don't care about the board of directors. I don't care about who the CEO is and everything. The only thing that really matters is price action over the next 30 days. Do I feel confident that it's going to go up or down? So I stay bearish on airlines and everything like that. And once it kind of seemed like it hit a bottom, I did go bullish on a handful of things that I thought would do pretty well. Amazon, you know, some of these things, online shopping, some of the common sense ones that, that make sense. And of course, this was an unprecedented event that happened. And so I had to be picky and choosy. And of course, I shared that with uh, all my students, what directions I was thinking. But for the most part, they're relatively simple. You just play whatever trend in whatever stock is happening. Okay. Well, that type of market environment is probably better suited to someone that has more experience in the markets, you would say. Sure. Uh, and a beginning investor could beginning yeah. investor could get themselves in a little bit of trouble. A lot of trouble. And I think a lot of people did, right? You got a lot of these young guys and girls jumping on Robinhood and right. doing free options trading. And it seemed like the key. I mean, if you, you know, February, March, if you place the bearish trade, you seemed like a genius. And April, May, <laughs> if you place the bullish trade, you're a genius. But yeah. the problem is, is that what I've found for sure, for the most part, all these new guys getting in, they trade in one direction. It's only if the stock goes up, they have no right. bearish strategies and it's only call options. And there's a varying degree of short-term and long-term contracts that they buy and everything. But for the most part, they're just looking for pullbacks and trying to play off that momentum. And that works until it doesn't. Right. And I think that if you're not ready for the bear market, it will really sneak up on you. You might be a trading genius for six months. But if we look at even now from when it hit the bottom, which was like April, it's gone almost straight up. So. Yeah. It's a really, the last six months have been very simple trading conditions. Exactly. Yeah. And anytime you have, I mean, gosh, even prior to COVID, even that 10 year period, I mean, you've got quantitative easing and you got the Fed pumping money into the market. It's just going to consistently go up. And that's frankly what's happening right now. Anytime that's happening, it's really easy. I mean, you could throw darts at anything and hit something because everything is going to go up besides, you know, airlines and the stuff that's pretty right. self-explanatory. But yeah, it seems very simple until you encounter different market conditions. Like I bet if just, let's say election happens, January, everything goes neutral. Most of those traders will burn their cash away because nothing's moving up. They don't understand how to downplay. They don't have any neutral strategies. So what they're going to do is they're going to force trades in and roll the dice, hopefully to try to capture some of those wins and get that adrenaline feeling that they're getting right now when the market's shooting up and they'll end up gambling their money away. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So if you're listening, just know that the market has a lot of different conditions and make your plan accordingly so that you don't get burned and manage your risk. Yeah. I would say one more thing that just for stock investors, I think there's probably a good handful of people that are listening to the podcast that are already trading and they're picking up tips and stuff that they do. The folks that are on the fence, you have to kind of think about it like this. And even if you're just planning to go buy stocks right now, the Fed is pumping money into the market to prop up the stock market. So The money they're pumping in, of course, the Fed doesn't actually have any money. That's taxpayer dollars. So right now, if you're in the market and you own shares or you're trading and you're gaining some equity that way, you are benefiting from your own tax dollars, you know, pumping into the market. If you're sitting on the sidelines right now and you don't have any skin in the game, you're not trading stocks and you're not in the mix, right now, your tax dollars are paying to increase my portfolio. So you got to think about it that way. The Fed is literally pumping taxpayer dollars into the market to prop it up. And so if you're not involved, you're 
technically paying taxes to keep everyone else's uh, portfolios propped. Yeah. And I would also add the fact that inflation is a big issue because when you're inflating the stock market and creating money out of thin air, money loses value pretty fast. And so if you're not putting your money to work, you have like inflation runs a lot faster than what people realize, especially yeah. now. Yeah. And so if you're not putting your money to work, you're losing a lot more money than what you even realize. You don't even know what money's just the money in your bank account is just disappearing invisibly. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so whatever you're investing in, just make sure it's some sort of uh, income asset or in some growth sector because them, the Fed, especially the trillions of dollars we've added to the balance sheet in the last few months, that inflation is going to come back to bite us. And anyone who's kind of just holding cash right now, looking for an opportunity, you know, that's going to dwindle your cash down just based on inflation. So, you know, if you're listening, I would say find some sort of investment to put your money in that's going to have some growth because right now we're, we're robbing ourselves via inflation. I agree. Well, with that being said, thanks for being on the show. Really good info. Relentless trading. Tell me a little bit about relentless trading and what you have going on there because it sounds like something that people really need to check out. Sure. Yeah, I appreciate it. So Relentless Trading is a company that I built. I actually met my business partner in one of those stock courses and we spent a bunch of time crafting our strategies and trying to figure all that out. At one point, I'm like, man, I just feel like this is a smarter way to teach people, specifically new traders, because I think a lot of people jump into the market and they want that high adrenaline, you know, day trading, and they haven't even really learned the fundamentals of the basics. And so I'm like, if they learned this first, they'd understand the opposite side of the trade. And that might really help them if they want to just trade on the side. This is perfect strategy. Or if they want to eventually get into uh, day trading, this would be a good segue for that. So the company was built on that premise. And we did online courses for a couple of years, or I guess online workshops, or I'm sorry, in-person workshops for a couple of years. And then COVID hit and was like, you guys can't do group anything. So what we did is we transitioned that all online. We recorded all the content and got all the quizzes and everything uploaded online. So now it's accessible for your viewers just through an online platform through Teachable. So it's great. But that's how the course was built. And you know, we've got a private Facebook group and the full thing that everyone gets to jump in and get trading advice. So it's fantastic, I think, for either new traders or traders that don't want, don't have the time to sit around and day trade. They just want to place their trades in the morning and then and then maybe check them at night. So so that's the general gist of what we offer. And there's a ton of videos out there that I can get you guys that will explain the details. But at relentlesstrading.com is where our website is. That'll have a video on there that will explain all the details of what you get in the course. In addition to that, we want to offer you guys some free content. So I think one of the toughest part is building out those rules and those trading plan. So what we're going to do is we're going to offer that packet for free as a PDF if you go to the website and sign up. Okay. Well, that actually sounds like a valuable resource as well as just a huge benefit for being in the community and learning from you and your strategies and your training sounds really good. So if you're listening on the show and it sounds like something you'd really be interested in, I recommend that you check out Relentless Trading and see what Scott's got going on there. Go ahead and put your name in the email and get access to that. Sounds really good. So thank you for being on the show, Scott. Absolutely. And for all of your viewers, if they go in there, I think it'll probably give them a discount for signing up with their email. But if you use your discount code, KC25, that'll give them 25% off the course. But again, I really appreciate you having me on and I'm excited to link up here in the future. Oh, cool. Well, if you guys hear that, the code will be in the description. 
so you guys can just copy it and as well as the link to Scott's Relentless Trading. All right. Well, for that, everybody, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening to the How to Trade a Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the How to Trade It Podcast. Our mission is to help you create security in the markets. If you have a question you want me to ask my guests or a specific question you have for me, please email me at podcasttradingstrategyguides.com. I answer every email I get because this show is about helping you learn how to trade it. So again, please reach me at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Thank you. For tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one, and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.